You know, if you were here last week, you'll know we kicked off this new series. You just saw like the little preview video there of, uh, of miracles. And we wanted to spend a few weeks talking about some of the miracles that we read about when we read through the Bible. And I didn't want to just stay with Jesus. I wanted to look throughout the Old and New Testament because God shows up in amazing ways in various different stories throughout the Bible. And this morning we're going to look at another one. But before we do, just to set the stage here, let me tell you what the dictionary says a miracle is. According to the dictionary, a miracle is an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. So it's something that takes place in the physical world, but it kind of surpasses all known human or natural powers and, and really is ascribed to a supernatural cause. We're here at Connects Church. We believe that that particular supernatural cause is God. We are followers of Jesus, and we believe that God is still at work in his creation. He's not far away on the other side of the universe, just disconnected to us, that he is wanting to be involved in our lives on a day-in, day-out situation. And whatever you term as a miracle, it could be something incredible, or it could be something quite small, but he's still working miracles in people's lives every single day. And in preparing for this message, I remembered a story I heard once about a little girl, and she was skipping home from church one day. Because, you see, the problem with miracles is there are those that believe in them, those that really ascribe them to the, the hand of God at work here, but there are some who, who maybe they don't believe in God. They have a hard time accepting that there really could be a God who created all this. So they, they're skeptical when it comes to things like miracles. And the story goes that this little girl, she was kind of skipping home from church, and... Um, she was singing this little song, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. And this man, somebody who was a, a little more skeptically stopped her, he says, little girl, what are you talking about? She says, it's a miracle. He said, what's a miracle? She goes, I just learned that Moses, that there was a miracle in his life. He had to escape from Egypt, so God parted the Red Sea, and Moses and all of the Israelites were able to go through the Red Sea, and they just, they stayed dry, and they got across safely. It's a miracle. And the man kind of shook his head and said, little girl, little girl, it wasn't a miracle. We've, we've figured out now that actually the, the spot where they crossed the Red Sea, it didn't really part the water. In actual fact, um, we figured out historians and, and people in geography, that kind of thing, they figured out that where they crossed, the water was only actually about four or five inches deep. There was this special spot in the Red Sea where you could cross and it was only four or five inches deep. So little girl, it wasn't really a miracle. The Israelites just simply crossed uh, at a very shallow point of the Red Sea, and they made it safely to the other side. So the little girl kind of looked at him, and she kind of smiled, and she said, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. He says, little girl, it's not a miracle. I just explained. She goes, no, no, no. It's a miracle. All of the Egyptian army were drowned in five inches of water. It's, it's a miracle. <laughs> For those that aren't familiar with the story, the Egyptians followed Moses through the Red Sea, and uh, the story, according to Genesis, is that the waters came back and they drowned the Egyptian army. The Israelites made it through. The Egyptians weren't quite so lucky. So if you believe that it was six inches of water, it was a miracle. If you believe the waters really parted, it was a miracle. But there are some, many of whom are sat here this morning, that believe that God is still in the miracle work in business. We learned about a great story last week of a, a miracle that Jesus performed. He healed someone. And this morning we're going to look the, and discover that following his death and resurrection, his disciples, they went on to not just spread the word and tell people about Jesus, 
Not just talk about the miracle that they'd seen with their own eyes, that this man, Jesus, was crucified, but they saw him risen from the dead. Their testimony um, explains that, hey, listen, here's why we follow this guy, because we saw him die, and then we saw him come back to life. He sat with us. He ate with us. He talked with us after his death. We saw this man, Jesus, do exactly what he said he would do, conquer death. That was a miracle. So they were proclaiming that particular miracle. But they were also, we're going to discover today, being used by God to perform miracles themselves. And it's important that we understand that they did that because in um, 2 Corinthians 12, 12, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, the things that mark an apostle... Signs, wonders, and miracles were done among you with great perseverance. So what Paul's saying here is, listen, these things were done among you with great perseverance, but you need to understand what they were. These signs, these wonders, these miracles, they were the things that mark an apostle. So this is very important that people in those days, they knew that these were sent by Jesus. These were men who were sent by Jesus to proclaim his word because of the miracles they were performing. So this morning we're going to read about one such miracle from two guys named Peter and John. So we're reading from a a book called Acts chapter 3, and we're going to go through verses 1 to 12. It says that Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. When all those crowds came out, it says that Peter saw this as an opportunity and he addressed the crowds. You know, I want to challenge that um, if, you're, uh, if you're just now um, reading this for the first time, that you, when you go home today, read the rest of Acts chapter 3. Read Acts chapter 4 as well. It's a great story, and I don't have time to go through it all, but it would be great to read it all because it's amazing what took place. But basically, Peter and John, they start to communicate with this crowd that's gathered and start to share what Jesus has done. And we're going to talk a little bit about that right here this morning. Now, I'm just going to say again, because um, some may have walked in since I started a couple of minutes ago. You're not like 45 minutes late. I just want to reassure you of that, okay? We're, uh, we're switching things up a little bit here this morning. So if you've just arrived, um, I'm starting out with the message this morning. We'll continue on towards the end with some, um, some worship. So let's take a little look at this story. So the first thing I love, because I love this story. I love this story of Peter and John. The first thing I love about it is that the miracles continued. We discover here, this is one of the very first miracles we hear about after the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
So it's almost like it's set in the course of saying, listen, just because Jesus has died... And just because Jesus has has risen again and ascended to be with God in heaven, it doesn't mean the miracles have come to an end. Right now, Peter and John have prayed for this guy, and he's been miraculously healed. It's like God saying, hey, listen, I plan on continuing. I plan on the miracles continuing on and on and on. And I happen to believe this morning here as a Christ follower, he still wants those miracles to take place. The miracles of a changed life, the miracles of of healing, the miracles of God moving in our lives. I just, I believe that God still wants to work in our lives through miracles. I want to share a story. I kind of alluded to it last week if you were here. And it's, it's, I genuinely think it was a miracle that kind of took place in my life. So if you're here this morning, you weren't here last week, we, we gave a really exciting announcement last week that due to our uh, growth and due to our kids area that is uh, really popular, we have a lot of families that come and bring their kids to connect kids and those rooms are growing and we want everyone to have the greatest experience. We've decided that at the end of September, we're going to go to two services on a Sunday morning instead of just one. And we really feel we have no option but to kind of spread to two services just because we've um, got so many kids. I mean, this room is actually filling up, but just the kids' area especially is really filling up. So that's, that's kind of driving us to make that decision. We're excited about that. We're, we're looking at 9.30 and 11 as being those two services. So I know that's tough for everyone in this room because you've now got to choose a different time to go to church. You've either got to come in a little bit earlier or you get to sleep in a little bit later. That could be cool too. So whatever you decide. But those are the two times we're looking at. So... I say all that to say that, obviously, for the last couple of weeks and months, as I've been talking to leaders here at Connect, and I've been talking to friends of mine who are pastors, we really felt that, logically, this was the best decision. We weighed up all the different opportunities, all the different alternatives, and we really landed on the fact that we felt this was what God wanted us to do. Well, last Sunday, I knew that I was going to be announcing this for the very first time publicly to Connect Church. So the week leading up to that, I was anxious. I was really kind of aware of the fact that, man, once I've announced it, that's it. (laughs) We're doing it. So this better be the right decision. So during that week, I actually had a visit from an angel in the middle of the night. It was a little angel. Her name's Emma. She's six. And uh, she is my little angel. But she, she woke me up in the middle of the night. It was Wednesday night before last week. She'd had a bad dream, so I took her back to bed, got her back to sleep. And when I went to bed, I was, I was just laying in there. It was the middle of the night. And I was just praying. I was like, God, I really think we should be going to two services. I've talked to lots of people, and they all think we should as well. It just makes sense. It's the right thing to do. But God, I don't want to do this if you're not with us. I want to make sure, God, that this is your plan. I need to know that this is what you want us to do. And I remember just kind of praying that and then falling asleep. Well, the next morning, and and the reason I was praying as well is because not only is it the fact that the kids' area is is driving this decision, but there's there's this realization that, you know what, and and you math geniuses, you've already figured that out. If we go to two services, we need twice as many people to help in these services, two sets of volunteers. So I'm thinking, God, what if not enough people sign up? What if we don't get the help that we need to pull off two services? So all this is going through my head as I'm laying there in bed praying. So I wake up the next morning. I've got a message on Facebook from a lady that was at our old church. She lives in Atlanta now. And she said, hey, I just want to let you know that last night I woke up in the night and I just felt I had to pray for you. So I just wanted to tell you that I was praying for you and your family last night. 
So I wrote back straight away that morning. I was like, man, thank you so much, Becky. And here's the crazy thing. This lady was heavily involved in the kids' ministry at Riverside, the church I used to work with. I said, thank you so much, Becky. I said, here's what's going on right now. We're, we're thinking of going to two services. I'm a little anxious. I asked God, you know, is this really God what you want me to do? And when I saw that, I felt that was confirmation that God is with us, that God really, this is his plan for Connect Church. So that really helped. And it was almost like God kind of sealed the deal by making sure that it was the, the queen of kids' ministry at, at Riverside who was letting me know that she'd been woken up and she was praying for me. So she wrote back again and said, well, actually, I didn't tell you everything. The reason I pray for you is because I was having this dream and you were in the dream. And the dream I had was that you were at church and you were doing a kids program and all your kids were on the stage but only half of them had costumes. And you were worried because not everyone had costumes. So you ran backstage and you were able to find all the costumes you needed and you were able to get every kid a costume. So every kid had what they needed. I had no idea what that meant, she said, but I just was praying for you. And I really felt when she told me that, that God was saying, hey, listen, not only am I willing to wake someone up in Atlanta to pray for you, to confirm to you that I'm in this, but I'm also willing to, to even make the, the dream kind of talk about provision, that God will provide, that God is with us, and he's going to meet our needs. And I really believe, yeah, that's a, I'm kind of excited about that. So I still think that God is working miracles. And I've got to be honest, last Sunday, that changed my whole feeling as I stepped onto the platform last Sunday to share that because I was now excited as I was talking about two services and what it's going to take to, to, to cross this goal. And, and let's be honest, my, my biggest excitement that wouldn't have changed anyway is that by, by creating two services, we're now creating more opportunities for people that live in Washington or in the surrounding areas um, who don't currently have a church, who don't know Jesus. We're creating more opportunities to reach people to reach families like that. So I'm excited by that, but I realize the responsibility that comes with it. So I was able to speak with a lot more confidence last Sunday knowing that God is with us. So here's the second thing that I love about this story. I love that the, 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 it was kind of like from that very first moment, God saying, hey, listen, I'm going to be with you forever. The miracles are still going to happen. I'm still going to be at work. I'm not going to be, just because Jesus has died and risen again, I'm not going to be far, far away. I'm still going to be present among you performing miracles. The second great thing is that when we look at this story, this wasn't Peter and John's plan. This was God's plan. This wasn't Peter and John's idea. This was God's idea. When you read that, and uh, you can read it again when you get home, it says that they were headed to church. They were headed for a prayer service at 3 o'clock. They weren't out that day thinking, man, let's see if we can heal someone. <laughs> Maybe we could, I think there's that, um, that paralyzed guy sits by that gate sometimes. Let's go check him out. No, they were, they were on a mission. They were actually headed to church. They were headed to something for their own benefit. And suddenly the need presented itself to them. It says that he asked them for money. In that moment, Peter and John went from being consumers to contributors. They were going to church for a prayer service, and they actually ended up serving another. And as I read about that miracle, I realize what a great challenge that is for every one of us. Now, there's nothing wrong with coming to church to receive. I'm not saying that they were in the wrong for going to the temple for this 3 o'clock prayer service. But it just shows that God said, hey, listen, in this moment, rather than you going to receive, I'm going to use you to give. You're going to pour into a man's life. You're going to change this man's life forever. We learned that this man had been um, lame for 40 years. And you're about to change the rest of his life. 
So in that moment, they went from going from what they thought was for them to give to someone else. And that's why I'm so excited that in having two services, we're not presenting you with that dilemma anymore. Well, do I go to connect to receive or do I go to give? Because with only one service, I have to choose to do one or the other. Because if I'm going to serve in an area, that means that I don't get to be in the main service. Or if I'm going to be in the main service, maybe I don't get to serve. Well, now the choice isn't there. You can be the consumer and the contributor. We have the opportunity to go from both, to do both. And the truth is, I actually think it's dangerous if all we do is consume, consume, consume. Physically and spiritually. We can get spiritually fat if all we're going to do is receive, receive. There's just something about living for God when you're serving others, when you're, when you're serving, or when you're, um, whether it's here at Connect or outside of here. When you're serving, when you're giving, it changes who you are. It shows you a side of God that you may never have seen. You know, the third thing I love about this story, it's not just that the miracles continued. It's not just that it was God's plan, not theirs. But here's what I think I love most about this story. What I love most about this is that their credentials were Jesus. Now, that phrase may not make much sense right now. Their credentials were Jesus. So let me kind of unpack that a little bit here for you this morning. For me, the greatest part of this miracle is actually what happened after the miracle. And I wish I had time to read all the rest of Acts chapter 3 and all of Acts chapter 4 for you because it's a great, great story. But we don't have time to read it all this morning. But, but take a moment this afternoon. Take a moment this evening before you go to bed. Maybe if you get up a little bit early this morning, you feel like, you know, I should read some of my Bible this morning. Start right there in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 and read this story again because it's amazing what took place. Because... What we need to realize is that not just this miracle took place, but where it took place and the circumstances in which it took place. You see, Peter and John have just healed someone just maybe weeks or months after Jesus has been crucified for proclaiming that he's the Messiah. So we learn just after this story that the religious leaders, they hear about the fact that Peter and John have healed this guy and they have them arrested. They're furious because they're thinking, hey, we just tried to put a stop to this. And now it's happening again. Now his disciples, his apostles, they're healing people as well. So they arrest Peter and John. But not before Peter and John get the chance to, to share with this whole crowd what Jesus still wants to do. They explain, hey, listen, you all know Jesus. You remember him. Some of you saw him. He is who he said he was. We saw him resurrected. We're now performing miracles because we have that relationship with Jesus. God is using us to, to heal this man. Jesus is still alive. It says on that day, more people were added to the followers. More people became followers of Jesus because of what they'd seen happen. So Peter and John, they're put before these leaders and they say, you've got to stop what you're doing. You've got to put an end to these miracles. But they said, we can't. We know that you killed Jesus for doing this. And we know that right now, we, have, and we don't know this for sure, but maybe they were stood in the very same spot that Jesus had stood just months before when he was on trial, when he was facing crucifixion. And there's this boldness of Peter and John saying, listen, you can tell us to stop, but we're not going to. We've seen what Jesus can do. We've seen him risen from the dead, and we know that he wants to change your lives too. And if you're going to kill us, kill us. But we're going to keep proclaiming this. And listen to what the religious leaders say. This is so important for us to understand. It's one of my favorite verses. It's in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. 
they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. You see, when I read that, what I read is that they're amazed at the boldness of Peter and John because they're just ordinary guys. These aren't rabbis or teachers of the law or you know, people who have been Pharisees and the religious leaders. These were just regular guys with no special training in the scriptures. In fact, maybe they even remembered Peter as being the guy just a few weeks or months before who denied even knowing Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. And yet here he is speaking with boldness and passion. God chooses to use him to not only heal a guy, but then preach a message to the very same people that had crucified Jesus. You know, last week I, I shared about us moving to two services, and I talked about the guy that was, was brought in by his friends, and they were willing to do whatever it took to see that guy's life impacted by Jesus. And the challenge was that, you know, what are we willing to do? Because if we're going to go to two services, then, then some of us are going to have to step up. And it was brilliant. Last week, so many of you went back and signed the papers. And I'm so grateful for those who said, listen, I want to help meet that vision. I want to help those people. I want to be like the guy in that story that willing to do whatever it takes. But I fear that maybe some were here thinking, Dave, I want to help, but I don't think I can help. I, I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't, I'm not good at maybe helping with kids or something like this. I just don't feel like I'm qualified to be able to help. You know, I heard a great statement once. It stuck with me since then. And that was that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. God doesn't call the equipped he equips the call. So God's not looking for experts. God's not looking for people who've got it all figured out because God wants to help you. That's why it's great to be able to, to step out in faith sometimes and say, man, this is scary me, but I'm going to sign up to help in this area. And that's a little bit scary for me, but I'm going to do it. And you're going to discover that God's going to come. He's going to help you. God's going to come and give you the strength you need because when I read this verse, the thing that excites me is that Peter and John were ordinary, unskilled men. No special training in the scriptures. But you know what they did have? It says that the guys recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That's what I want people to say of me. I recognize that that is someone who's been with Jesus. I see Jesus in that person. When they, you know, I see that relationship that they have with Jesus as they serve, as they live their life, whatever it may be. So if you're here this morning and you haven't signed up, you're here this morning and, and you were worried about signing up, take courage here as you look at the lives of Peter and John. He wasn't looking, God wasn't looking for someone who had it all figured out. He was looking for someone who's bold enough to say, listen, I'm willing to stand up. I'm willing to allow God to let me use, be used to heal someone, but I'm also willing to stand up against the leaders here for what is right. And it was that boldness, that fact that they'd spent time with Jesus that set them apart. You know, I have um, a family here in the church who uh, I was speaking to recently. And just when it, I, I wanted to share this story just in closing this morning because um, the closing of my part of the message, not the closing of the service. Don't get too excited there. Um, <laughs> we're still only halfway through. Um, so I was talking to them because uh, they, they had an opportunity to, to maybe make a transformation in their uh, career life, and, and the possibility would actually take them away from this area. And there were some pros and cons to that, and, and they were talking to me about it, and they said, listen, you know, we're talking this through, and um, it's amazing, because for the first time in our lives, one of the factors that we're putting into this whole equation is that right now, our family really feel connected at Connect Church. We, we serve in some different areas here. In fact, our, 
our, our kid, one of our kids, is just about, they've actually gone from um, eighth grade to high school this year, which means they're now old enough to be a small group leader in Connect Kids. And they can't wait. They are so excited. And, and they were saying to me, you know, we're, we're looking at these opportunities, and for the first time ever, we're having to think, but do we want to pursue an opportunity that could take us away from a church like that? This is now a factor in our decision-making process. I saw that kid last week. I was walking through the halls. It was their very first Sunday, and they were, they were sat on the mat. They were getting the supplies ready. They were getting the cards ready. I, I walked up. I high-fived them. I said, you're doing a great job. And they were just beaming. And it was so cool to think that even amongst our teenagers, there are people who are saying, listen, honestly, this, this particular kid's a wonderful person, but really, unschooled, ordinary. I mean, you could see that they'd been with Jesus. That was the, that was the key. So if you're here this morning, you're like, I'm not sure if I could. You know, I honestly believe that every one of us can. God's not looking for the equipped. He's looking to equip the called. And not only that, I actually think that some of you, because you'll be in an area where you're like, this is kind of stretching me a little bit. This is outside of my comfort zone. That's how you're going to grow. You're actually going to experience more of God than you would have done in, in this environment. For some, moving from a consumer to a contributor will introduce you to a side of God in your life that you've never seen before. I wish I had time, even as I'm talking now, I'm looking at individuals in this, this audience this morning who I know that is the story. That as they got involved in Connect and Served, it's changed who they are. It's changed their lives. I know it can change your lives too. So I believe that God is still a miracle-working God. I think he wants to work miracles in, um, in great ways. I experienced that myself just last week when someone told me, man, I had this dream. God woke me up, told me to pray for you. I, I just attribute that as a miracle. God knew I was praying, and God answered my prayers. But sometimes it's just the miracle of experiencing forgiveness. It's the miracle of experiencing um, a, a freshness in our relationships or in our marriages. Whatever it may be, God wants to work in our lives. And we're going to learn next week about another miracle and how God is constantly at work throughout the Scriptures performing miracles. But what I love about Peter and John is that they were unschooled, ordinary men, but you could tell they'd been with Jesus.